Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. Today I've got Femi Jacobs on the show. Femi is widely known as a decorated Nigerian leading actor. His lead role in the 2013 breakthrough romantic comedy film The Meeting cemented his place amongst Nollywood's better-known leading faces. It also earned him his first pan-African accolade as best actor in a comedy in the 2015 edition of the prestigious African Magic Viewers' Choice Awards. But 10 years prior to his film debut, Femi was also known as a recording artist, a worship leader, and a public speaker. He's been honing his leadership skills whilst leading and directing various musical groups for about two decades. He also recently launched a platform called Rise, which we're going to be talking a lot more about. And I'm definitely looking forward to this conversation. Hey, Femi, welcome to Unplug with Annie. Um, thanks for being part of this show. You're definitely uh, doing something different to all my other guests. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, it's a pleasure. Like, I have very different kinds of guests doing all kinds of things. But this series is, yeah. you know, it's been a lot about movies and uh, working behind movies. the scenes and in front of the scenes. Mm -hmm. and it's been yeah. uh, different. Um, yeah. um, so, you, from worship leader to, you know, going into acting to all the different things that you have done. How did, how did that happen for you? How did you start acting? Well, it's, um, it's a story I've told several times. I didn't particularly aspire to act. I, I just, ever since I was young, I always known that I was gonna have something to do with stage but I thought it was going to be as a performing musician and maybe as a speaker. I actually dreamt of being a speaker earlier than um, I dreamt of being an actor or anything else. I just wanted to be rich and I wanted to talk for a living. <laughs> I wanted to do those two things um, when I was growing up. So when they asked me, what would you like to do in school? I just simply just went for my school. It was the closest thing to to um, these aspirations for me. So um, it wasn't like I just gone home went and chose acting. I was already um, at some level of, you know, adulthood responsibility if I came to Nollywood. I went to Nollywood when I was almost 30. Um, I was then, I grew up in church, working around church. I learned things about communication, sound engineering, um, leadership, all of that from all my involvement with church. I learned about publishing, you know, and, but the biggest part of it was singing on stage and just generally leading worship. Um, music for me is an escape, it relaxes me. And, but people just weren't ready to pay for it. People applauded you, they loved what you did, you gained some notoriety and some popularity, but Church people just weren't ready to welcome music as a profession at that time. That required that required you to have a career, to have you know, to have a clear path for evolution. Um, but when I was in South Africa, I got a call from my church, my church drama group. Said I wanted to do a movie, a faith-based movie. So I came and um, I went there. They said they wanted me to be the lead. My group, I never acted before. They said it didn't matter that I had a good voice, that, that I had charisma and a presence, they would put me in the film anyway. 
you know. So um, I remember going for the screen test with the director they used who was not a member of the church at that time. And he was like, do you do this? I said, no, I don't. I said, then you should. <laughs> I work with so many, you know, big stars. You got it. You got what it takes to do this. I just laughed it off and uh, laughed it off and went to work. And um, they called me again in 2008. They said they wanted to do a TV series as well. Same church. Had not acted in between that 2006 and 2008 for anyone else. So I went and I was lead on that lead, lead um, TV series as well. But it was faith-based. It was supposed to just teach Christian values, how Christian homes should run and stuff like that. We just didn't have the church doesn't have a foothold in the culture yet. And I guess that that's why why I believe I've been raised. We need to have the Christian culture, you know, projected on screen. People need to see how it really works in real life, you know. Um, but that's a digression. I, I did that in 2008. It came out in 2009. The director of that one also called me aside. I said, Femi, you're joking with this thing. You shouldn't joke with this gift. It's, it's a beautiful gift, you know. And you know what? I'm going to get you a space on one of the, you know, the flag, the, the flagship, the, the real big, one of the most successful African series in, Nigeria, in Africa. African series was um, Tinsel. Um, we've had generations, generations at Africa, which was also a nightly, a day, um, a, a nightly TV show. And it's quite popular in that part of the world, but it's not really popular in Nigeria. But when Tinsel came out, they found a way to just bridge the whole continent. It was done by DSTV, the, the major cable, um, cable, cable TV channel in, in Africa and then 16 different countries, I think, right now. It was while I was on that show, um, one of the episodes that Mitra um, Doko, who now directed my breakthrough film, The Meeting, it was while I was on that show that she watched a clip and she wanted to cast a major lead, her lead, her lead male in her breakthrough film, The Meeting. And she watched that clip and she said, I gotta find this guy. I like him, I want him. Finding for me, I didn't know how for me that I hadn't spoken to her at all in any way. There was a coast co in fact, my friend that my character was legal counsel to in Tinson, material basically, was one that eventually got the the um, request to have my number. And she gave my number to her and she called me and um, she set up that meeting and we did the meeting and it was uh, it started the cinema revolution in Nigeria and in 2012 and people started believing in cinemas again so tell us a little bit about the rise platform i know you have a book also called rise um, but tell us what the platform is okay i wanted to start a platform for transformative conversations i realized that most of our conversations about race about rape about sex about politics about um, even business. I've always been on the surface, you know, and I wanted a definitive platform for a typical African man or boy growing up, as I was like 20 years ago, looking for concise, precise life clarity. I just wanted to I wanted to build a platform where you could go if you wanted to figure out life, if you wanted to figure out how things work, if you wanted to figure out how to make it, 
make yourself a voice in your generation. Position yourself to be recognizable and influential in your generation. I wanted to have a platform like that, precisely because of our peculiar problems in Nigeria. We have, we have a legacy of not knowing how to think because we were not brought up to think. And I say that without due respect. We were a typical African culture predisposes you to being dictated to. And that's why culturally, dictatorship still works in this part of the world more than it works in most other parts of the world. We just have a culture that does not challenge through rigorous argument, that does not employ all of the intellectual assets of our environment. You know, you, you're the leader, you're number one. Everybody must keep quiet. That is the culture. And I know that you probably have Indian roots and anybody from, from all those places like India, like Brazil, like, you know, like all the areas of South America, you know, all of Africa, we are socialized almost the same way. The collective is more important than you, which is good, which is the lesson the West needs to learn now. We have learned, you know, that the collective is more important than you, but that you are a voice in the collective. That has not been something that an African man has been taught. You have a voice. You have an opinion. You are in your opinion and, and voice is as credible as anyone else's. But we're brought up in homes where we're literally just led by, you know, benevolent dictators but our parents our father mostly fathers came into the place everybody kept quiet you know fatherhood meant you have to be quiet you walk into a room and your children are supposed to keep quiet and that for you means that they were behaved yeah you know and that's why bottom of approaches for develop development has not worked in nigeria has not worked in different parts of africa because chiefly because people do not own their agency they were not taught that way. Mm. And it doesn't matter how enlightened they are. It doesn't matter how, how educated they are. You just didn't, you weren't given the opportunity to be a voice, which is what the platform is about. Let's have conversations that can transform our thinking. And when I started it, I had this rape culture in mind. I had uh, uh, the ability to grow your self-esteem to a point where you can demand answers from authority figures and you don't have to confront life, to be a whole holistic individual who is in, by themselves and in themselves, you know, credible, who believe that they're credible and they have the right to be here. And only when you use a voice can you improve it. And that's what the platform is about. Give voice, give you a voice yeah. in the matters that affect your life. It's what the Rice platform is. You speak up to rise up. Yeah. Um, so uh, on the platform, we're teaching people how to make the most of themselves and how to make more available in the world in which we live today. Mm, I mean, you touched upon a really good point of, um, you know, how cultural background really affects us. And I suppose it just links to upbringing and, you know, which psychology even shows like those crucial early years in a child's development is when we develop you know our, our modes of thinking and uh, 
and then obviously we're exposed to the environment and school and everything else um is there anything in terms of just because this has come up like that you think is missing and is there something parents should be doing to educate their children better um in terms of them understanding that they have a valid identity you know no matter how how they look uh from where they come from that their voice matters at the end of the day what can we be doing better i think that we have to prepare for parenthood the same way that we prepare for going into a business going into anything i think that the parents themselves um our parents didn't do better because they didn't know better so regardless of how how earnest they were to teach us virtues and values they they were limited by the knowledge they did have and and i think that handling a machine you have to go for training for hours you have to have like thousands of hours of training on the machine handling a a process you have to go for training constantly being trained to do that who trains our parents on how to handle a whole a whole human being how do you think you know you a, a machine that is just a a minute you know part of the complexity that a human being is you go through so much training to do it but nobody goes to training to be parents because we think that being being parents is just the biological consequence of an action but it takes a lot more so i would first of all ask parents themselves to reeducate themselves in fact when you look at the problems in the world today the people that are causing it are not the children they're the parents mm. i mean really the parents they they real i mean 45 year old rapes a 12 year old person a 25 year old is a parent or so you know you know and i mean the, the judge judge floyd was killed by a man who was probably in his early 60s i don't know how old he is those are the parents you're talking about yeah and 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 they themselves don't know better and until they understand that i really do not know how to raise a child in 20, in in 20 in the 21st century you're not going to open yourself to learning or you need to know and then teach that child what they need to learn which is so crucial because when you look at the programming that's responsible for some of the problems we're having today we acquire them from our parents from our authority figures when you yeah. socialize a white person deliberately to thinking that they are superior to a black person you may not have you may not have committed you may not have they may not have done anything bad yet but they will come upon choices in their lives where <laughs> they will have to make choices based on the programming on the inside of them yeah not necessarily just loud voices around there's a program that that is inside that is subliminally subliminally driving our impulses our instincts that's where the education is needed and those kinds of education are not they're not usually taking place in schools they take place at homes conversations that happen between 7:30 p.m. and 11 p.m. every day in a typical house what happens at the breakfast table where what happens when the child comes back from school and talks to you about bullying and talks to you about you know what he did or she did to a, a, a person of another race what you say when they bring a person of another race home how you receive them how you treat them 
They're watching all these things and you're framing their subconscious as a result of this. You know, if you raise a man up to respect women, to respect all people, you, 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 the father, did you respect their mother? You know, because then if you, if you treat your wife like she's nothing, you are sending a message to your child. Mm. And it's going to grow up thinking that instinctively there's something wrong with women. They can't decide what they want. I mean, that's, if, you, if you listen to rapists talk, they would sound like a woman doesn't know what she wants until you tell her. When you show her, she will know that she actually wants to sleep with you because that's what she wants. Because that's what she's supposed to want. Because that's what culture told you that she wants. Right. It's very, very strange to people. Now, women are going to school and empowering themselves and, you know, doing great things. They can be your boss. Yes, a woman can be your boss. Absolutely. But those are the things that need adjustment in a man's mind. And those things don't happen on superficial levels. You've got, to, you've got to break them down and let them see that a human being is not superior to you and not inferior to you as well. You're equal with everyone else. We're yeah. equally unique, yeah. all of us education needs to take place at home and that's why i think that parents need to educate themselves first and then understand the unique you know, responsibility they have of shaping people's subconscious so that things that are happening in the world right now people getting raped people getting killed would stop happening these are things that are deep in people's mind no matter how many people we lock up we're still going to have to face this thing stop being so angry and start educating people yeah. I know that their actions are, are annoying, but you must educate them because yeah. they don't know better. Yeah. yeah. They just don't. That's a great point. Yeah, of course. Um, talking a little bit about all the multiple things that you, you have done and achieved and, uh, you know, lots of different avenues. Uh, when it comes to success and uh, the conversation of failure and success, a lot of people feel that, you know, you really need to pick one thing in life and be good at it. And um, it's very difficult to be good at multiple things and to excel at multiple things. And therefore, there should be no plan B. Um, I think a famous Will Smith interview, uh, he also said that, you know, I didn't have a plan B. How much of that do you think is accurate? Because I think today, you know, things have changed a lot. People are doing multiple things. Uh, they are also successful in multiple arenas. So do you think that we can be successful in multiple things? You make a very, very valid point. And there are no right or wrong answers. But I always refer to, you made a very good point in the last uh, statement you made, that things are getting easier to get done. And so... It's easy. I mean, those days when you wanted to be a farmer, you were going to have to use your hoe, your cutlass, your whatever. This is, I'm talking about Africa now, mm. to, to cultivate the ground. And it, it's back-breaking work. But you could drive a tractor for just 20 minutes and clear the whole place, and it's done. By 12 noon, you're done with preparing the land, you're done with irrigating it, and you're done with planting something, 12 midday. You know, in those days, it took our fathers months and months and months to do that, and with great difficulty. So when that is only speaking to the time value of work, 
but there is the there is the a broader conversation about work itself, what it means, you know, what it does for the human being. When you start working, your immediate first thing is to be able to provide for yourself and to be able to provide for the people you, you care for, your family, your friends. But as you grow in, in, in the hierarchy of need, you begin to approach places where you want to be influential. You want to be a voice in the environment, in the society. Um, so reasons for work will change. And I think that when you're thinking solely about um, survival, you can face one thing to improve your earning power in that thing over and over again. But in the last 25 years or so, life has changed completely. Um, Hardly do you meet people now who have been in the same job for 20 years, in the same office for 20 years, doing the same thing for 20 years. Sure. It's impossible these days. Um, people let go of you easily these days than they did in those days. Um, labor itself, employment itself is a mobile asset. It keeps moving. It, it keeps changing. And the needs of the world will change. In fact, at the end of this COVID period, the needs of the world will change. Who would have thought that, you know, we used to ignore, you know, uh, we used to ignore um, tissues, we used to ignore things like uh, hand sanitizers. We, we bought one and used it for three months in those days, but they've now become a typical part of our lives. Talent needs to be deployed to that place to make, to fill that need. What I'm trying to say is this, time and environment will determine how you evolve as an individual and what you do. There is doing something for money. There is also doing something for influence, for self-fulfillment, which is the subjective part of success that it has nothing to do with your, how many you know, Oscars you got or how many, how many records you sold. This is how you feel yourself because we've seen people who have achieved all of that and got to the pinnacle of their career and they committed suicide. And we're wondering, what? You've got everything. Why did you do that? You know, they haven't got everything. The subjective part of success is the part that needs to be taken care of. If I sleep at night and I know that I have all this beautiful music that are coming out of me, but I've not recorded them, it doesn't matter how many awards you give me, I'm going to feel empty. Mm -hmm. yeah. if, I believe that, if I believe that I have this dream to build a farm where I could have food banks, across different local governments in my state. You know, it doesn't matter whether you now cast me as the lead in, you know, in the next big blockbuster from Hollywood. I'm still going to be thinking about it. Mm. So my actualization is what allows me to broaden my involvement with the world. My world is changing. They need me here and I can't do it. Why don't I just go and do it? Mm. But I think that the old laws of success say it must stay as something and constantly do it for a long time to be successful. I think it needs reconsideration. It needs us to reconsider it. That is that really it? I just want to be of value to my generation. That is my. That is what I consider the definition of my work. Now yeah. today I may get somewhere it requires me to sing. I will sing. Now, what about developing these things and doing them excellently? Now, that's a totally different type of question. 
Mm-hmm. And when someone says, you cannot um, do this thing and do it excellently if you are turning in a different direction, I believe that. I believe, I believe. So you must have your dominant gift True. that you're cultivating. And um, anything that people pay you for, they deserve to have it done excellently. Anything they pay you for, they, de- they deserve to have it done excellently. So when you pay me for something, I invest my energy in making it excellent. But the other ones are things that I'm involved in. I'm the one measuring my impact. I'm the one thinking I need to go there. I need to go here. So, so that's left to me. That's my subjective part. Mm. Everybody needs the objective success. You need to objectify success. You know, win some awards, do some very important work and all of that. But let me even ask you, I was lucky when I got into the industry that the first thing I did and, and it blew up was the meeting. I met colleagues in the industry who had been there for 20 years, 15 years. And before I got in, some of them just got their breakthrough films like three years ago. Mm-hmm. In all those years that they didn't get a breakthrough film, were they successful or not? Were objectively not. Subjectively, only them can answer that. So, I mean, I don't know if you invited Mother Teresa to a conference today. I don't know whether you would be sitting her at the table because of how much she has in her bank account or what the size of her company is. Her work was her heart, mm. you know, and she recognized that earlier. And I got to work my heart out. And she did that. She doesn't have a big bank account, but we call her successful. So even our objective definition of success must change. Well, thank you so much, Femi. Unfortunately, I've run out of time. <laughs> but um, Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for chatting um, on Unplug and, and sharing your wisdom. Um, yeah, it was great. Thanks for taking time out. Thank you for having me. That was the end of an episode on the series of Ignite. I hope you continue to tune in every Sunday for a brand new episode with a brand new guest. This series is super close to my heart, um, being with fellow creatives, so I really hope you enjoy it. Stay updated with everything Unplug with Annie on the website, of course, and the IG page and Facebook page, Unplug with Annie.